quick language warning here. Sometimes Alice and I, we have potty mouths and we're working on that. So this is probably best for grown-up listening only. This is Body Shock, a podcast by two newbie parents, me, Alice Fenton, and my co-host, Shannon O'Mara. We separate fact from fiction about what having kids does to your body and mind and what you can do about it. Hello and welcome to Body Shock. I'm Alice Fenton here with my wonderful co-host, Shannon O'Mara. How are you, Shan? Hi, Alice. Good, thank you. So today we are delving a little deeper, looking at head, heart and identity Looking at the impact that having kids can have on your sense of self and the sometimes overwhelming emotions that come with the territory. Yeah, this can be a bit of a dense, dense old topic, this one, the old identity one. And so today we've chosen to speak to to two people to get a few more kind of voices and opinions in the room. Uh, Jackie Lunn is an author and journalist and a mum of two teenagers and a tween. Jackie is also a friend of mine. Uh, We've had the pleasure of working together for several years and she's sort of my go-to with great perspective and great insights on all things parenting and work and all of it. Belinda Williams is also joining us. She's the co-founder of The Bumpy Road. This is a business that looks at the juggle of family and career. She's a psychologist, a career coach and a mum of two. Let's get started. We're here in the Kindling studio with Jackie Lunn yes. and Belinda Williams. Yeah, hi. Hi. Thanks for, thanks Thank for coming on. Thanks Bobby for Shop. having me. Okay, well, let's just jump straight in here. We're going to start with a kind of big question. How has having kids changed you? And do you even remember your pre-children self? Do you miss her? Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, I, I do miss her. I was... Um, I thought about this. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've hit my 40s and something else happens in your 40s, but we won't go there because I know this is <laughs> for um, when you've just had babies. But I became much more anxious and a much bigger worrier. I was much bigger risk taker before I had children. And just giving you an example, it's like suddenly getting on planes after I had a kid became really, I got really stressed about it. Before I used to have a drink, I would, you know, just sort of roll around in my seat, go to sleep, didn't even think about it. <laughs> And then I had kids and I just, you know, I, I used to, my husband used to say to me, you, you fast forward to DEFCON 3. Like I could just <laughs> see my kid running along a, a footpath and I would see them falling on a syringe, you know, and something happening like down the track. I could sort of see all this happening. So I became much more anxious and a much bigger warrior. But there were actually things as well that since having kids that are good things. So I thought I should I, I want to mention those too because definitely. I'm I, I've had I've been doing this for a long time, not as long as my mother, but um I'm my eldest is 17 and I feel I'm a much more open-minded person now because because when you have kids and you see them growing up You've got to keep up with things like pop culture. You've got to keep up with the Taylor Swifts and the Justin Timberlakes. And, and, and you've got to just not dismiss everything as being stupid because you see someone quite passionate about it. So you do become open-minded. You become kinder. I'm kinder because I look at my daughters and I understand now that some people are just who they are and you can't change. Whereas before I'd probably get more frustrated by a personality characteristic. Whereas now I go, oh, that's just them. They're that person's you know, like that. So I think I've come out of it with a lot more than I've lost, to be honest. And the other thing, my big thing is I've got a lot more grit. 
I, I, my mental toughness is so much greater than it was before I had children. And, you know, from really big, important things like going to work and knowing I can put in a day on very little sleep because I've done it and not complaining and just getting through. And, you know, you've got other people and they're whining about the fact that they didn't get to, you know, they're up on Netflix and they didn't get to bed to whatever. And you're thinking, <laughs> I had two hours. You know, I can remember when you go to work on two or three hours sleep, but to just being at the gym and being able to just go, yeah, I can do this. I can, I've had a baby. Sometimes I do, I say that to myself. I'm like, want to give up? And I go, I've had a bloody baby. I can do another 20 <laughs> seconds of this. This is nothing. And I'm at the gym with people half my age. And I swear to God, I could bat them out of the park sometimes because of my grit. Belinda? I don't, I don't know how you can top, uh, top that sort of uh, evolution. Um, I know. Sorry. Mine was a long one. No, but I think, um, I think you know, it's something that I ask myself, like, but what was it like before? Like, and I think I, I have quite blocked out that time in, in some respects. Um, maybe I'll, I'll attribute it to mindfulness and being where I am, but I actually think it's memory loss um, in a way. I think uh, when when I first had kids, I was overseas. So my life had already transitioned a little bit from sort of being in the routine of my hometown and environment. And we were doing things a little bit differently. So we'd already had... um, a bit of a sense of change. Career was a little bit different at the time. Um, we're traveling lots, meeting new people. So I felt like I'd gone through a level of maturity. And then I feel that having kids or one than another um, brought out a real uh, new experience for me. And there were certainly parts of my identity which were no longer accessible in terms of like literally the logistical freedom that enabled me to be more active and more social and more out and about. And that takes a bit of an adjustment. But with having a child there was other things that entered my life so I did attach to new things and new people and I think the perspective that Jackie reflected in terms of you become more open-minded I noticed myself becoming way less judgmental I wouldn't didn't even realize I was judgmental but I noticed that judgment Mm. sort of dropping Mm. away as you know every experience became normal and understandable and and you know you reacted and interacted with situations and people in a whole new way so I think that there is a massive shift in persona and and personality and probably some good and bad um, and, and indifferent that comes with that as well. I can so relate to so much of what both of you just said then. My husband actually said to me after we had our child that he thought he'd married a really like kind of just laid back person and I now I'm the absolute opposite I'm like Mm. you thinking a million well five steps ahead of what possible tragedy could happen Mm. in any situation Mm. totally anxious about situations I never used to be anxious in because you just have to change because you've got this little baby who's totally relying on you and Mm. you have to change Mm. and you have to accept a lot of stuff that in your previous life you'd just walk away from you just go, no, this is too hard or mm. I can't be bothered or I don't like this. But now you can't do that. So if you can just accept, then you can you know, move on to the next step. So Jackie, I've had the fortune of getting to know your girls, your daughters a little bit. And I have to say, I just think they're three wonderful young women that oh. are just great. How do you reflect on those early years of parenthood and what advice would you give yourself? Oh, okay. Look, the early years, I had three under five and it was pretty, I look back and I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I, I know I, I'm sounding really like, you know, <laughs> a lot of, but I'm really proud of myself for getting through that because I had no family support. My parents don't live in, in Sydney. My husband worked really long hours at the time and I just had to dig in all the time. And just, again, that's that dig in thing. And I look back and I sort of 
did these this amazing thing of of just coping, which is just this base level thing. And in reflection, I wish I could say to myself, you don't have to get everything right. I mean, I think I wasted so much energy in those early years trying to get everything right, like what kind of books? Well, they have to be the right books. And what kind of food? It has to be the right food. And what kind of bedtime? It has to be the right bedtime. And what kind, like, I was sort of always thinking, well, if I didn't do it right or even perfect, it wasn't good enough. And now I look back and it all of it's good enough. As long as you're around, you know, our kind of standard for the dad is as long as they're alive when they come, <laughs> come home, you know, everything's fine. But for us, it's like, oh, my God, you know, they, the book – that, is that a learning book or is that just a silly book? You know, we kind of do all this. Our standards are so high. If I, so my big reflection is I just wish I was kinder to myself. I was so kind to everyone around me. But to me, I really had – if I was in a workplace, I wouldn't expect the level that I expected of myself in my home. I expected so much. And it would just be to relax on all that that stuff because kids do not care. Kids do not care if, and they will be fine. I have my middle daughter about the food thing. She's the pickiest eater you've ever seen. She will separate that food into bits. She can, she can, she could see I hit a vegetable and spaghetti bolognese, like, you know, amazingly. And she'd sort of pick it out. (laughs) And she is completely healthy, 15, fine. There's None of my kids have ever been sick. All of that just doesn't matter. But but looking after yourself does matter. And I think you've got to spend some time looking after yourself and putting things into perspective about what is the important stuff and what can really go over here. I wish I could tell myself that. That's the big overarching mm. thing. Like there's no prizes for perfection when it comes to parenthood. Really. No. Someone said that to me early on and I still haven't properly registered that. I'm still a bit of a, a nutcase mm. about all of the things you're mentioning, but it's true. There's no uh, price for perfection. I used to vacuum before the babysitter came over. I used to go out and vacuum the floor and clean everything up and do all this work so the babysitter could come and do nothing, you know, and just sort of sit there. <laughs> this is when the kids would go to bed at seven. And and so I just don't know why I had this expectation on myself that I think I wanted everyone to look at me and think I was doing it really well. But that's just a waste of energy because the only people who matter are the kids. And if, and you know what? They're so – their standards are so – well, in terms of what – yeah, you and me. They just love you. That's the incredible thing about kids. You can be so flawed, and I do have a few flaws, not many, <laughs> but I have a few. And they just love me. I mean, I love them, and that's the incredible thing. And you've got to forgive each other, and you've got to forgive yourself, and then move on. Okay, so Belinda, this one's – more targeted at you. In my early days of being a mum, I felt completely in love with my little one and I just wanted to be with it all the time. But yet at the exact same time, I felt really trapped and Mm. overburdened by this new responsibility and pretty much just wanted to run away. Mm. I didn't, obviously. But like, can you relate to that? Is this a a normal thing? Is this just part of being a mum? And does it change as they get bigger? Mm, mm, yeah, I look, I think um, there was definitely moments where I can completely relate to that. With my first and even when I had two, I remember my husband got home one day and said, oh, how's your day? And I said, I have literally been putting someone to sleep all day, like all day. 
So I think that there are very relentless and physically intense aspects of early parenting and no doubt you know, well beyond that. But I think the um, the physical part for me was really just what wanted to make me run away sometimes in terms of that feeling of escaping that, that trapped um, level because it is so um, intense and demanding whether you're breastfeeding or not or good, good, good settler or sleeper or feeder or not. And so I think it, it comes to Jackie's previous point around the fact of babies or young kids or kids needs in general are very important but if you're not intermixing your own needs there and you're sort of giving yourself 150% you know over to those demands without recognizing when you've sort of crossed that line that's when you know your mental health can sort of start sort of sending out fireworks sort of saying you know you know, not feeling too good or like snapping or you can you can see it coming out in sort of emotional explosions here, there and everywhere. So I think that it is such a common experience for every mum. I doubt that anyone would, would say that that hasn't been something that's sort of crossed their mind. But I think what it points to is the need as a society for us to shift, you know, away from it being a purely child need role to a unit need role and whoever's in that unit it may be just a mum and child if it's a single parent or you know within a, a broader family unit and I think that those need to be looked at all together and prioritized you know with some level of equality as well. So when you're chatting to women in yeah. your practice do you have any like I guess sort of tips that you can give them to I guess remind themselves to make sure that they are looking after themselves as well because you can become so kind of tunnel vision about things in those early days it's hard to even remember that oh actually my body feels strange perhaps I need to you know go for a walk or do some stretches or go and be by myself for an hour how can people yeah because you don't really have a comparative point you know particularly when it's your first child you know that is the only experience that you know so it feels like oh this this must be normal this must be what everyone else is experiencing so I think it's really important to drop into sort of what your baseline is and what seems to be triggering you to a point past that so you need to know you know whether it is um you know you're skipping meals you're having emotional outbursts you're sort of feeling that real kind of quick escalation in frustration you're reacting in a way and then sort of regretting how you're acting I think you've got to start sort of clocking up what your cues are because it's going to be different for every single person and try and catch them early on so that you can then have a bit of a plan a bit of a timeout because often it's not a whole amount of restoration Mm. that you may need to kind of bring you up quite a bit so I think we've got to think of recovery in a few different levels like a really micro level like literally a cup of tea to yourself when no one's a bit of protein sometimes is all I actually needed yeah banana (laughs) yeah banana cures everything it does it's a mood boosting food yeah so I think we've got to be quite flexible in terms of thinking oh I have no time at all because of all these responsibilities to okay I'm not going to have those huge chunks of time or huge sense of self-control, you know, for my whole day because I do have a little person that I'm responsible for. So how can I incorporate um, recuperation, restoration and a bit of self-focus within those demands and start Mm -hmm. to rethink that once you know what your kind of triggers are and once you can start to recognise that. So uh, labelling it will help that recognition process and then a plan of action from there. Can I add something that Mm -hmm. being... uh, and get rid of all those apps. I mean, I sound like my grandmother, but I cannot believe all the apps you guys have that just must cause stress. That would have tipped me over the edge, mm-hmm. having all those apps. Like another thing you should be doing because the app says you should be yes, doing that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe limit them. 
So Jackie and Belinda, I guess this this talks to a, a bit about of an identity crisis around mm. things. I've always gained a lot of sense of identity, I guess, from working um, and from the other things that come with with mm. um, either having success at work or working hard or, or whatever that looks like. And I guess this talks to the point about, I guess, how can people who have always gained a sense of achievement and identity from their work best adjust to the reality of being the stay-at-home parent or being on that leave? I get that. I get that our identity is so wrapped up for a long time in what we do at work and then suddenly you're at home and they seem like such menial tasks that you do again and again and again because a lot of parenting is menial tasks and relentless if that's Mm. such a word. And you can just feel really down. I think the other thing that happens at that six-month mark, I don't know if it happened to you, you just can feel really lonely. Mm. I mean, I Mm. I remember feeling really lonely and isolated. And although I know this is a shared experience and and we kind of go, this is like all these other mothers are doing it and we've been doing it since time and memoriam, I felt like I was the only one on earth and I just was so lonely. Mm. And um, none of my friends had had children. But... When you say that your identity, I think I think that's just a natural process. It's like a break. Mm-hmm. It's almost like something splits and you've just kind of got to go through it. That For me, I, I think Belinda probably know better about, I'm not a psychologist, but it's just like something broke in me and I just had to heal again and come through the other side and understand and then get back to work actually part-time, which is what I did, and understand that. I did have value Mm. somewhere else other than being a mother. But even then I doubted that for a long time and I actually couldn't get my head around that for a lot. That took a long time to actually think I was a valuable employee and I still struggle with that. But, um, yeah, so I I just think something essentially broke and then I healed. I think it's a constant um, process of adjustment. And so when a new baby arrives, whether it's your first or your subsequent kids, it is a seismic sort of throwing into like a whole new world of manic nappies and feeds and sleeping and settling and, and everything else like that. So eventually you kind of gain perspective on that after a little while. And I guess where you talk about, Shan, when you're sort of six months in, I imagine you're pretty sleep deprived at that stage unless you had some magical sleep fairy. I did yeah. not. Have that. I really wanted that <laughs> magical there. sleep fairy. So I, I think it's really, really common um, when you kind of get six months in, the hormones seem to wear off a little bit um, and the sleep goes down uh, and the fatigue is so extended for such a long amount of time. So your mood drops. And then with when your mood's down, you kind of get a bit of tunnel vision and I, I guess characteristic thoughts are quite permanent and pervasive Um, traits to what you're thinking about so you're like okay this is it forever how mundane and then that that you kind of like tar it's the brush that you know tars everything in that shade and I think that as a result of that you know self-esteem confidence and everything else goes so again it's a it's a, a point that a lot of women get to and I think in some ways it's a healthy point to get to because then it makes you reorient and kind of motivates you to kind of re-engage in some sort of way and that Mm. may happen naturally through a return to work where you are forced to to have meaning and purpose outside that routine or maybe that you create that shift yourself and you think I've got to get more involved with friends or intellectually stimulate myself or re-engage with my partner um, and you kind of get pushed in that direction. So I don't think that it's something um, to necessarily be scared of or avoid because I think it's a natural part of the adjustment through through kind of no children to children or to multiple children. I remember myself, I think it was like six days after the birth of my second child, my daughter, 
on my emails, like talking to people about work projects, because I, I, I think it triggered in me, oh my God, this is happening again, <laughs> that I'm becoming irrelevant again. And I guess the sense of confidence sort of dropping in relation to that triggered this kind of strange kind of work flurry. Here which, I am. Here yeah. I am. I, I'm still relevant, mm. you know. So I think for, for mums to find ways to foster and create and um, put um, meaning and purpose in the pipeline, even if you're not accessing it immediately, sort of putting the deposits in that piggy bank is really important to help stabilise sort of mm. confidence crises, um, which are inevitable and just part of part of that journey. I have noticed in my friends who have had a second child or a third child that they are much more on top of this sort of thing. Like they can see that that stage might be approaching or that they're just much more on top of ensuring that their needs are met in that way, probably Mm. because after that first experience, we all, as Jackie said, do experience this little kind of break where you're like, okay, that's not who I am anymore. Mm. I need to, yeah, work on reestablishing my life in a way that well, they've already make broken in a little bit. I think I, I, I personally think and see that um, a lot. The biggest adjustment can be from zero to one because you're going yes. from like a non-child life to life with children, and so from one to subsequent children, it is more of the same. It, like the intensity of it would definitely be increasing, but it's not that same breakdown of sense of self and sense of routine you're already in that world and it's just really digging down I've said to Shannon before that definitely my first year with one baby was my hardest Mm. year of all it was harder than having three under five absolutely the hardest year I had was that first year yeah I could go on It, it was amazing I had the third one and it just wasn't even in the same ballpark Look, I know that I shouldn't, but I do feel some guilt about the fact that I've returned to work, even though I love it and I get a lot from it, uh, purely because my daughter finds daycare really stressful. It messes up her sleep. And I kind of know from everything I've read on those awful apps and in in all of the books (laughs) that at her age, all she really cares about is being with her parents. Mm. Um, not, Not working isn't an option for me financially. So do you have any advice on how to remove some of the angst from this situation? I think, you know, you're you're probably having a really typical reaction. I think, I don't know many mums who have returned to work without guilt. And if they have, bravo, like no judgment there at all. That It is amazing. And um, But I think, again, it's going to be in, inherent because... In the, in the return to work process, even if it's six months, one year in or whenever it happens, because you're going um, away from that expected role of mum and baby and them only being able to rely on you, which societally, I guess if we look back, wouldn't have always been the case. Like r- right now we are the one of one of two or one of a few that are um, the caregivers for our kids. So to kind of disrupt that is, is very emotionally un- uh, destabilising. But I think um, we need to think more broadly and more long-term, which is hard to do. We'll often go to the short-term and the immediate reaction. But I think for women to have purpose and meaning and contribution and stability, they're all very important markers of well-being as well. You know, so you talk about being a financial, financially mm. motivated and probably lots of other different motivators oh, coming in there. Um, so it's important to try and reorient your, yourself okay but what is this serving do you know what I mean like are you plucking it out of thin air probably not like it's it's a it's a thoughtful and considered move to go back to work at whatever age and stage oh yeah I'm an insane person if I don't work I need to work yeah as well. so it's yeah and I think you know and I've experienced myself I had to kind of 
purposefully drop my son at daycare and be like, okay, but what is this serving? You know, this is serving a financial security. This is serving meaning and purpose. This is serving me not being casting myself just into the domestic role within the family. Um, even at times where there was times where daycare costs um, were maybe outstripping income costs at times. Um, but still, I had to kind of take a drone view of it and kind of hover up and go, okay, I, I can feel it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on you know what what the, what's the bigger sort of view here, um, and over time you know as as the emotionality of daycare and a separation can settle down or a sickness and the kind of ups and downs of that, if you've got to keep going sort of up and seeing what it's serving, I think that that's been my own personal tool and one that is quite sort of helpful because otherwise we do emotionally get very triggered and have a nervous system response to that, ah, in the morning, I don't want to go, don't leave me. So, yeah, I think that's an important and immediate check that you can kind of almost go through. So like many things in the baby world, just kind of taking a longer perspective, looking at the bigger picture as yeah, opposed to... Yeah, but I think you've got to do it quite consciously as well because it's not natural. Like we're, that, that, that cry, we're programmed to respond oh. to, you know what I mean? Or that, that is a protective um, function for us and we've just got to look at keeping that in check, really. I wish someone told me that because I used to be in tears in the car yeah. after the... Cause Matilda, oh my goodness, she used to just scream. I was, Shannon and I have discussed this and I used to hop in the car and just put my head on the steering wheel and just be like crying, mm. going, what am I doing? I'm a terrible person. This is, mm. you know, but um, I, I found it really important. I tried different things. So um, like I had a nanny and I've done childcare and because the nanny makes sense, the more kids you have, mm. you know. And for me, I, I did get a nanny when, when I first back to work because I just couldn't, and I did that for my mental health. And that really worked for me. And mm-hmm. she was great. And I did that for a while. And um, but then later on, the, the kids had childcare. And yeah, there were terrible moments of just feeling emotionally wrecked before I got to work. I was a complete mess. But my kids have all turned out okay. Mm-hmm. And there's been quite a few tears, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I must say, the other two were fine with daycare. So it was just, it's a personality thing too. Mm-hmm. Some of them can just be like that mm. yeah so mm. I don't know what what the answer is I think there's a few tears but it's okay but to have a longer term view like Melinda says is really a really good idea what what is this for what am I doing why am I doing mm. this I guess at the heart of this it's a little bit like the feeling that you have these different roles but you're not doing any of the roles properly mm. oh. you know and I guess it's I think to Belinda's point about accepting essentially accepting that there are different viewpoints of what you know what you you want to get out of it mm. and i guess we've got a, i think we've got a fixed capacity and and everything will continue to kind of need 100% so it's just an equation that doesn't work that well and we we never will be able to you know have a an a plus rating in that respect so i think it is this kind of prioritization and and to jackie's point originally i think she's talking about this acceptance you know accepting that this is part of um, being pulled in a million directions and okay well i know it's going to be difficult so what am i going to do about it what am i going to bring into focus where am i going to prioritize well the top three things that are going to be most important and what am i willing to let go of Mm. because if we just keep sort of putting in in the pipeline more and more things which have extraordinarily high expectations whether it's you know um you know, schools or work relationships sex life social life all of those things if you it's just unsustainable 
And so that that guilt and that pressure and the emotional sort of baggage that comes with not meeting that is just going to undermine you know any performance in any of those areas. So you've got to look at how to serve yourself best in prioritizing it and knowing what to drop, and 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 understanding that dropping things is going to be uncomfortable, but ultimately it's going to enable you to kind of keep your cup as full as possible um, in a way that's serving you best. And I guess Matilda doesn't remember crying at daycare. No, she used to hold the fence, you know, and just <laughs> shake the fence, you know, and I'd be there going, oh, and they'd yeah. be going, she's fine yeah. behind her. And I'd be going, no, she's not. She's holding the fence and screaming. But then, I mean, another piece of advice that I always held on to was my husband once we were in a daycare situation and it was not working out and I was mm. breastfeeding and it was just appalling and I, I I just I lost my dial getting into the car one time I just was um, really really upset I couldn't leave my second child there I just couldn't do it um, Frankie she was under one and it wasn't working for me and I came home and I was just so sad and and he said this was just a plan let's make another mm. plan this plan isn't working mm. so let's make another plan and I was like oh my god you can <laughs> I'm an adult I can what a revelation I can yeah. Not stick. So for some reason, I thought that was the plan we had, and we need to stick to this plan. Yeah. And then we just changed the plan, mm. and we actually got a nanny. That's when we, we got a nanny because I just couldn't do what I was doing, yeah. and and that worked out. But just this, it, the, the weight lifted off my shoulders yeah. to know that I can reassess and change my plan when things aren't working. Because, like you said, Belinda, yeah. all families are different. All families have different needs. You have different needs. Your partner has different needs. It's a unit, mm. and. What's going to work for me is not going to work for you or, or Shannon, and, and we're not. We're, it isn't going to work, and that's where we spend so much time. I can't tell you how much time in the beginning I spent drilling so deeply. I would meet a new mum and I go, "So have you gone back to work? What? How many hours do you work? What do you do? Where does your baby? Is your baby in daycare? Is your baby got a nanny? Like I had, I would. Mm. It was honestly like they were in. I was some kind of CIA agent trying to get some information out of them, and I could never get it. Like I keep, I keep. I kept looking for someone who had the perfect mm. situation. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've I've grilled hundreds of women. Literally, I'd meet a woman at a new dinner, and I go, "So you're back at work? How many hours? Where do you work? Where do you like everything? Every single woman. There's not one woman I've grilled mm. who've got who said, "I've got it. Yeah, got I, the formula. I got the formula. <laughs> Everything's fantastic. This is what works." Do you know? Do this. They go. Oh, look! I do. Look, it's okay here, but I have to do this here. And da, 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 da. no one's, no one's got it. No one's cracked it because you can't crack it. Mm. So we're all trying because we've all got this perfection thing, like getting everything right. We're trying to crack this formula. A, there's no formula, so I don't even know what we're doing. We're all mm. trying to get this thing right. Inherently, bringing up a family is about compromise and emotion and failure and success and all these these big things. Mm. But it's just not about doing it right. That's mm. such a limited yeah, view so of what it is. It's just not, oh, this is the answer. That's just not how it works. And and I've been grilling women, honestly, for 17 <laughs> years. And I feel sorry for them as if, if I ever meet any one of you. I will. I'll still do it. I still do it. Yeah. I do it too. I can't tell you how relieved I am that you have now taken this burden. Because <laughs> you've grilled and there is no answer, I know. Because my approach from the start has been like, if I do enough research, if I ask enough people, yeah. I will find the answer. And you're right. There's no one answer. No, there isn't. But I still kind of think there is. And I'm still looking <laughs> oh, for look, it. I, I, I'm still asking. And I've been asking for a long time. And I, I, I swear to you, I have not met anyone. I've mm. had friends who've worked full-time, part-time, not at all, 
nighttime, shift work, daytime, like honestly, every configuration you can think of, I've had it and no one has said, not one, yep, this is it. Some have said, this is working, this is the best it's ever worked Mm. and that's as good as I've ever got. And I think with that, I think when we come from from no kids and into kids or even the different phases of kids, we we don't really accept that it's going to be a change in trajectory at times where sometimes, you know, you're going forth at a rate of knots and then sometimes mm. you're standing still and sometimes you're going backwards, but with the overall intention of continuing to move forwards. I've said to Shannon before, for years and years and years, because I worked part-time, I was the woman in the corner of the office. I, and you have to leave at five o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. and, you, and you feel guilty and you feel like you're the person who's not giving it all and you used to be this... And I was, oh my God, when I was in my 20s, I had my first in my 20s, I was like a wonder kid. And I know, I'm again, I'm talking about myself like I am fantastic. You might need to open the door for Jackie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But I really was doing really well. I was kicking all these, you know, career goals really young. And then I got pregnant. And then I had a baby. And then I kind of re-entered my work. And I had to be out the door by a certain time. There, there was just no no going around that and A I wanted to be too I didn't want to be there till nine o'clock at night I wanted to see my child you know my daughter and I was working three days a week and then for I reckon for a decade I I worked three days a week mm-hmm. and some of those jobs were really good other ones honestly I, I was just this woman in the corner I reckon they went who's that woman in the corner who sort of runs out the door at 5 p.m. <laughs> Every day, but I would put, you know, I was so effective, and they and they would all say, I, you know, because I sat there, I got everything done that I needed to do, and I did it well. I mean, again, hello, I have to open the door for my head, but I did it well. I mean, I, I can say all this because I'm looking back, and I can say this, and mm. it's only been recently I can go, I did okay. Mm. I beat myself up, but I actually did okay. In the moment, did you feel it? Yeah, in the moment, I I, I would assess everything, you know, yeah. constantly assessing and constantly feeling I wasn't meeting you, you feel I think you maybe you're born with this expectation you're going to be this thing yeah. right and I'd be thinking I haven't become this thing that I'm meant mm. to become so you know I'm intrinsically a failure because I'm not this thing what that thing was I don't know but I've gotten older and I've actually created a I created a good life I worked mm. a bit when I needed to be around I had three kids and when I need to be home more I work part-time I now work full-time they're older. It, mm. I've got a really good job now. I, you know, I feel really fulfilled at work. You know, so it's all. Jackie's the drone. She's just lifted up. She's <laughs> got. She's, she's got the, drone. the distance from yeah, it. Yeah, it's funny. That, so if we can like like bring that into the moment, just a little bit more. Like only if you're lifting a meter off the ground. Yeah, I think it helps just to kind of d- detach from just this kind of Immediacy. wall of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you need you pat to pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Like Jackie's, Jackie's <laughs> good at. Yeah. I'm very, but sometimes you need to, you, you, sometimes you will be in the office and it's not going to be a rewarding job, but I cannot stress enough how much I think it's important to keep your foot in the door, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Cause I've had friends who haven't, and it's really, really, really difficult in your forties to go, Oh, I want to go and work again after 15 years out of the workforce. You're just, beating yourself up so much about all, so many things and it, it, it's going to be okay. It really, really is going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. I think it's such a personal I think it's such a personal thing and I think Jackie's point, trial and error, like if you've made a plan and it's not working and I think keeping in mind this trajectory piece around, okay, well, sometimes you are just going to be treading water and maybe your income is only just or not even covering childcare but that what's the, what's the longer-term goal and I think something that my mum said to me is she, she said, she said um, you know, 
go to work, stay at home, do what you want, but just realize that, you know, your priorities now and the needs on you now aren't going to always be the same. So you've got to plan to have a life beyond your family because at some stage, the kids are not going to need you in the same way or you may not be able to get the same level of fulfillment from them. Like they don't actually want to be around you at certain points of time. So if you're pegging yourself completely to be in sync with them and their needs they are going to separate from you at some stage so you better have something there for yourself whether it's volunteer work whether it's hobbies of a certain sort whether it's paid employment make sure that you have a level of balance of meaning where you're deriving meaning and purpose in your life because I think something for women is that they have children and obviously it's an intensely meaning and purpose like a purposeful pursuit <laughs> don't think that's the right word but it's a commitment um but i think it's important to to balance that out and keep that focus obviously within your family but in your relationship as well uh and in your sense of self-concept in and outside and sometimes you'll be able to be able to do that more regularly um in the first couple of years that is hard but if you mm. keep just a uh, tiny five cent deposits in that so there is something to kind of re-engage with when you want to when you need to I think that that piece of balance helps to provide a foundation to drive the logistics in whichever way you want to go Um, because as Jackie said there's so many different variations you know there can be the stay-at-home part-time worker the full-time worker you know the dad staying at home and you know there's just so many different ways and you really have to just not strategically it's a bit technical but like you have to consciously decide what it is for you and your family unit and um give yourself permission to do it differently if you want to do it differently and judge it judge it based on um the feedback that you're getting um from your family and from yourself because your kids aren't the only dictators even though it feels like that you know you've got to have a little bit of you know being in the cockpit as well one thing I think would be great to do, this is purely practical, is every now and then go out with your workmates for that, you know, for the drink after mm. work. I mean, I never did. I mean, honestly, I, we had a pub across the road when I worked at Fairfax called The Shelbourne, and I never saw the inside of it because I, I always ran out the door. I worked three days a week, and I just never felt I could do mm. it. But I should have just every now and then for someone's birthday or going away, just popped in for an hour and a half to have that sense that I was an adult and I was part of the work community rather than just this person who dropped in and dropped out. I really felt like that. I just dropped in and dropped out. So I would, I mean, mine's completely pragmatic, but Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, have a drink with your colleagues Mm -hmm. or or, or catch up with them every now and then outside of work and make that time. And, you know, if you can, I know it's hard if you're a a single parent, but if you've got a partner, I say, well, look, Thursday night, I'm going to actually go to this Mm -hmm. thing. So can you do the pickup, whatever it is? Mm -hmm. I think experimenting Mm -hmm. with little Mm -hmm. things like that as well, like experimenting with going, I I am going out Saturday morning and and I am actually going out to do something. Um, And just being like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Often that's the, that's the, that's the kind of reflection that we have like oh wasn't that bad oh he was able to do it oh my mum or the, the nanny or whoever um my friend yeah. you know who I kids swapped with oh, that, that worked out quite well and that what that bought me you know is often enormous like the, the little as I said the little micro um points of recovery are quite significant because then suddenly things are opened up you're like this is a thing that I can do yeah just because you try it once yeah and it can be mm. quite low-hanging fruit that we don't let ourselves you know, do yeah. like a drink after work or like I'm going to go for that early morning run. You're going to have to do, you know, breaking and there's a bottle on the fridge yeah. or, you know, you'll do your school drop or whatever it may be. Um, I love those things, actually. Every time I, I experience a little thing where, oh, my husband can yeah. definitely do this. I'm yeah. Like, yes, you can always do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't let other people have an experience to be capable, then they, they will be incapable 
either in your head or in actuality because they've never had a chance to do it. And equally with your kids, if you don't give them the confidence that you can not be there, then uh, they, they will have less confidence that you mm. can't be there. Essentially, stop being a control freak. <laughs> I know, it's very difficult. In summary. I wish we could keep talking. I know. That's, a, that's been so great. Belinda and Jackie, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. My thank pleasure. You. So that was Jackie Lunn and Belinda Williams, two amazing women who I personally found so helpful to talk to. Yeah, they're fantastic, aren't they? So what were the big highlights, do you think, for you? A few things. I think a big standout for me was just be a little kinder to yourself. You're going to look back on this period of life and realise you've done a pretty amazing job. Yeah, Jackie really hammered that home, which I loved. Mm. Um, I really liked Belinda's drone perspective, this idea of taking a step back. I think that was great. Yeah, absolutely. So taking some of the angst out of the situation by looking at the bigger picture. And then also the other thing that Jackie said that really resonated for me was just be willing to change the plan. You can become so attached to a plan that you've made regarding your little one because, you know, they're kind of hard to get into place with all of the different logistical elements in the first place. But sometimes all it takes is just you and your partner, if you have one, being willing to change things up. Go, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. So I guess it's a bit like Friday Night Lights, Alice. Mm. Clear eyes, full heart can't lose the kids will be fine if you love the podcast find us on itunes and rate us to help other people find us too see you next time